Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. So I'm Ron, and I'm going to open the Word with us today. And we... Moving up into May 28th, two weeks ago, we did a series of six weeks talking about the Holy Spirit and Pentecost Sunday because Pentecost was May 28th. And so many of you here were here for that. Some of you weren't, but you may know a little bit about Pentecost, the story recorded in the second chapter of the book of Acts. We were talking a lot about that, who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, what we can learn, how we can live filled with the Holy Spirit. And now, since we're after that, I felt it would be good to continue reading in the book of Acts, kind of where we left off. And one of the things, do you mind if I sit down? Would you, you all look so comfortable, I thought. Maybe I should. Except for I've got, like, the George Costanza wallet. Do you know that one? It means it's like four inches thick. Guys, if you have one of those thick wallets, I can tell you why you have a bad back. Don't sit on that thing. Anyway, back to, the, back to Pentecost. Oh, that feels good, though, sitting like you guys. Um, one of the specific things that Jesus said, you know, he said, I want you disciples, I want you to wait for a gift that I've told you about. The Father is going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going away but you're going to receive another comforter, another counselor. And one of the things that he said multiple times would happen is that as this Holy Spirit filled them with his presence, which is already like how does something non-material fill something material? I, you know, we, we have to struggle with these, these words because we're looking for um, physical language to describe spiritual things. But in some sense, we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we become followers of Jesus. Jesus said, if you put your faith in me, you'll be born completely new. You'll be born of the Spirit. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, one of the benefits is that we're filled with the Spirit. And one of the things that Jesus said would happen is that people would be witnesses for him. They'd be empowered to be witnesses. And I, I just saw the many places where I saw that word and um, what Jesus spoke to and promised. I thought we would do well to read the stories of those first Christians and look for their experience of being witnesses, see if it worked. Well, hi, Leon. <laughs> Wait, I often get his name wrong. Is it Leon? I got it right. This is Haven and Leanne on their way to Kansas. They stopped by to say hi, so wave at them. They'll be leaving. Samuel's already there. Kansas City, not Kansas. Um, near Kansas, right? It's, it's a border town, isn't it? So it's both Missouri and Kansas? Okay. Okay. So Leon's just going to walk the aisles and pray for you. There he goes. How old is he? 14 months. He's so cute. Okay, back to the Holy Spirit. So... <laughs> You're with me, right? We're family. We're having a family time. We're in the family room here. I'm sitting. You're sitting. Um, so I thought we'd read some stories. 
and spend some time reading in the book of Acts about the experience of these first Christians and their, the, the experience of being witnesses for Jesus and what that means and, and what they had happened to them, through them, and what we can, what we can learn about that ourselves. Pardon me a moment. I, I woke up with like a, like a polleny, phlegmy thing in my throat, and I think if I put a cough drop in, I'm less likely to cough on you. That would be nice. <laughs> so You appreciate that? Thank you, Michelle. Well, you're far enough away. I don't know what you said, Michael, but I think it was a joke, so... Um, If, if you don't know, some of you are brand new to the Lord, to the Bible. Some of you have been in the Bible a long time. And it's my goal as a pastor to, when I, when I talk with you, to talk in ways that works for everybody in the room. So if you've never opened the Bible before, you're good. And if you've opened the Bible many times, I hope you're good too. But just in case you don't know, you know, the Bible has kind of two halves. One's called the Old Testament, which refers to a first covenant relationship that God made with people that he called to himself. And the second half is called the New Testament, which refers to a new covenant relationship that God promised in the Old Covenant he'd be making with people. And that was inaugurated with the ministry of Jesus, who was the Messiah that the Old Covenant promised to the people of Israel. So in the New Testament... It's actually a number of books. If you didn't know, this Bible is a library of 66 books. Excuse me, 39 of them are in the Old Covenant, Old Testament, 27 in the New. The first five books of the New Testament are narrative, they're story, they're history. They tell, the first four tell the story of Jesus, and the next one, they tell the story of Jesus' life, ministry, his birth, his life, his ministry, his death on a cross for our sins, his resurrection from the dead three days later that was promised and prophesied and he himself predicted he would demonstrate and prove beyond a shadow of doubt he is God. He's the son of God and he is God and he has raised from the dead conquering sin, hell, Satan, death, the grave. And he did all that. That's the first four books of the Bible. The next one, the fifth one, is called Acts. And it's the acts or the actions of those first followers of Jesus. So if you didn't know, that's what we're going to do. And then after that, after those first five, are another number of books that are really letters to all these new Christians. So in Acts, these new followers of Jesus did what Jesus told them and started going around their world telling people about Jesus. And everywhere they went, there'd be new gatherings of believers of Jesus, gathering in congregations like we have here, usually in homes. But coming together, worshiping, growing, and, and those leaders that started those churches and moved around would send them letters, giving them instruction in this new life. And that's the rest of the New Testament that we often read. And those aren't stories, they're not narrative, they're instruction for life and ministry and, and living. So, that makes sense to everybody? We're all on the same page. So, one of those conversations where Jesus told the disciples that he was, they were going, he's leaving, they're going to be a witness, is worth reading, I think. And here's the context. We're going to read Luke 24, chapter 24, around verse 45. 
Um, Jesus has gone to the cross. He's given his life for the sins of the world. He's now three days later raised from the dead. The disciples are completely confused. Their hope seems like it got crushed. They just three days earlier were absolutely traumatized. They saw their best friend, their hero, their savior, the one they wanted, their rabbi, their teacher. They wanted to follow him to the end. They saw him brutally murdered on a Roman cross in a horrible death. It felt like all hope was lost. They missed his whole multiple times when he told them, I'm going to die, and then three days later, I'm going to rise from the tomb. They somehow missed all that. But a few of them on Sunday morning ran into him. The women. The women were the first witnesses. So you women are number one place. And the guys, being like guys are, didn't believe the women. And which is, nothing's changed, right? They're like, they must, you know these women, they're so emotional. <laughs> they must have dreamt it up. But no, the women were right. And it's true, yeah. And then the guys, not that they're emotional, that the, the guys are like that. Um, so the guys start to believe. Only a few of them have run into Jesus. Now it's Sunday night. And they are terrified because Jesus just got brutally killed and they think they're next. They're hiding in a room. They're locked in the room. A couple of the guys are there saying, hey, we, we saw Jesus today and he talked to us. And in that place, Jesus suddenly appears and starts talking with them. And so feel the dynamic of this. They're like, I mean, they are like totally cognitive dissonance moment. They're just lost. And here's what he, here's, that's the context of this verse. He's talking and he says, verse 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. The scriptures meaning the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible that we have in, our, in the, those first 39 books. He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ, that's a Greek word for the Messiah. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Listen to these words because they're going to come back more than once as you read through Acts. He will suffer, rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And, I mean, just pause there. These guys are like kind of in a hick town in a really tiny country that is of very little significance, that is right now under Roman rule. They just don't even have hardly any place at all. These guys are mostly uneducated, blue-collar workers. And he tells them, forgiveness of sins are going to be preached in my name to all the nations, beginning right where you are in Jerusalem. And then he says this, main, this thing that is kind of the setup for this whole series that we'll be reading. You are witnesses of these things. And then he tells them this, I'm going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So that's the first time they're, they're getting the idea, I'm confused, something's going to happen. You're alive, I thought you were dead. Are you back? Are you leaving? You're going to go again? What? Because they just didn't get it. But he says, you guys now, I'm, I'm passing the baton on to you, and you've been a witness of everything. And because of that, I'm sending you with power to all the nations of the world. So let me ask you a question, just to hear your feedback. What do you think of when you hear the word witness? You hear, oh, yeah, because you're a witnesser. 
This guy, that was David Yoder. He said, testify. And he likes nothing more than to go out and talk about Jesus. What did you say? You think of angel when you think of witness. Why? Okay. Angels are doing witnessing. Anything else? You guys are a quiet crowd today. Was, was it decaf? What did you say? Telling someone else what you saw. Oh, say that again. Imprint. You bear witness you've been imprinted. That's good. Yeah, Jennifer. You hear witness, you think of truth or honesty. Yeah, you know, if you're in a court of law, you put your hand on a Bible, I think, still, and you say, uh, the testimony I'm about to give, I promise, is true. And if you don't tell the truth, you could be in big trouble. Good point. What, pardon me? Experience. Experience. That's good. That's good, Joe. Cora- who said? Oh, was it? I can't even see. Oh, hi, Angie. Courageous. Why do you say courageous? Okay, it takes some courage to be a witness. Any, any other thoughts? What, was that Shannon or Kathy? Boldness. Tell what you know to others. Good. Res- responsibility. You guys, now you're rolling, right? It's like, <laughs> did, you, did, you have, did you say something, Sherry? Oh, okay. Um, we are witnesses. Oh, I like it. You guys are preaching this sermon. We are witnesses. Any, okay. Well, let's read another part, part of the Bible where this story goes on. This is the first chapter of, of Acts. And Jesus is, in the first chapter, as the story goes, Jesus is still around. So Jesus, if you didn't know, he died, was raised from the dead, was seen by lots of eyewitnesses speaking of witnesses, and it was a period of 40 days that he was seen by eyewitnesses, sometimes a few at a time, one time 500 eyewitnesses at a time. And when I say seen, it's not like he was walking by and they go, I think that's Jesus. No, he like met with them like we just read. He's eating dinner. He's teaching. He's very present, as present or more than I am with you right now, for over a month. So many eyewitnesses. So during that first t- period of time, there were so many people who could say, this guy literally raised from the dead. I saw him killed, and I saw him alive, and I spent time with him. He is who he said he was. And that was part of why it could spread so far. And you might get to know that. That's good to know if you're talking about Jesus today, that it's not some kind of mystery about him, and it's not some kind of myth about him hard evidence, the kind of evidence that would be completely valid in a court of law today, hundreds of eyewitnesses, this dude rose from the dead, like he said. Okay, so in Acts 1, it's now 40 days after what we just read. So we just read first day of his resurrection in the evening. Now, 40 days later, he's been talking with them, meeting with them. He's meeting with his disciples right now, and he says these things. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And I'm just reading one sentence. There's a whole context. But he's about ready to return to the heavens. He's about ready to finally go away physically permanently. But he's going to come back in the presence of his spirit. 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. And he's, he's doing like concentric circles getting bigger here geographically. And to the ends of the earth. So now we're going to start reading stories over the next weeks about how this worked out. But that last thing we just read, combined with the words before, really emphasize this. The Holy Spirit empowers you and me to be witnesses. So if you, when you think about all the words you said, bearing testimony, telling what you've seen and heard, courageously, imprint, it's our responsibility. We are witnesses. When you think of all that, remember first and foremost the strength, the power to be a witness, to tell what you've seen and heard comes from the Holy Spirit. So the pressure's not on me. The pressure's on him. And I'm thankful because he can handle the pressure and I really can't because I'm just not all that. So a few things we can learn right now. One, a witness is simply someone who tells others what they've seen, heard, learned, and experienced about Jesus. That means everyone in this room has been a witness of something. Even if you've witnessed very little, you've witnessed that. If you've witnessed a lot, you've witnessed that. Everything that you've seen, heard, learned, or experienced about Jesus, you now are a witness in the court of the world of what you've experienced. Uh, number two, so that means anyone can do it. Number two, witnesses, thinking of a court of law, are not judges. They're not prosecuting attorneys. All they do is tell what they've seen, heard, learned, and experienced. They don't have to convince anyone of anything. It's not their responsibility. In our role as witnesses for Jesus, we don't have to convince anybody, talk anybody into anything. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is just to tell them what we know. And if they don't like it, okay. If they like it, good, let's go farther. But the pressure's not on you, to, especially to get like mad and judge people when they don't receive what you've told them. In fact, if you get mad and judge them, it's probably going to be really counteractive. And also, just kind of a side note, people that are not followers of Jesus, it's not our business to tell them that they're sinning, they should stop, and they're wrong and judge them. That doesn't really help the cause. I mean, if they want to know what we think about sin and right and wrong, yes, we share freely. But it doesn't do us good to judge those that are outside of the community. We do have some role to judge each other, in relationship, and when I say judge, I mean in, the, in a sort of a kind way where we, you know, if Michelle sees me doing something wrong, she's going to go, Ron, we need to talk. And she's going to do it very New Jersey because her hand's going to be like this, right? And she's going to just tell me the truth. When you said this to that guy, that was rude and you shouldn't do that anymore. That wouldn't be judging. That would be a friend. You know, anyway, we just witnessed to the world around us. I almost lost my focus there. <laughs> um, Warren Worsby is a, a leader, a writer, a, you know, Bible scholar, 
Christian leader, he says this, witnessing is really not so much something we do for the Lord, but something the Holy Spirit does through us. Witnessing is not so much what we do for the Lord, gotta go out witness today, you know, but it is what he does through us. Additionally, the Bible teaches that not only are we witnesses, and this may be new to you, the Holy Spirit is presently a witness for Jesus. We'll see that as we read through Acts. If we went back to Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit who was to come, he says he's going to be a witness. But, but in Acts 5, I'll just mention this, five chapters down the road, Peter, James, and John, three of the disciples, are in trouble. They're standing before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish sort of court system, religious court system, the, the people that determined Jesus should have been killed when they killed him. They're standing before them because they've been preaching and witnessing, and these guys tell them, stop it. We are very uncomfortable with you telling people about Jesus rising from the dead, and you're, you're going to put his blood on us, which, by the way, they said his blood be upon us, but um, you're going to put his blood on us, so stop it. And they respond like this. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God Rather than men, the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you'd killed by hanging him on a tree, the cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as a prince and savior that he might, here's words we just heard from Jesus, give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things. And so was the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So I told you, one, witness is just saying what you see, what you hear, what you learn, what you've experienced about Jesus. Two, you're not like a judge, a prosecuting attorney. Anyone can be a witness if they know anything, they've seen anything. Um, but three, we've mentioned, I'll just say it like a point, um, anyone who's received Jesus into their life, they have salvation, they've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, and they have this guarantee the Holy Spirit is also at work witnessing. So that means that if I am telling someone a story about Jesus that I've experienced, I don't have to convince them, but the Holy Spirit is many times already convincing them that what I'm saying is true. And if you find yourself telling stories about Jesus and you see this thing in their eyes where they're locked on you and it looks like they're believing you, you know the Holy Spirit's witnessing to them. And I would recommend at that time go, you know what it looks like to me is you're feeling something in your heart that says what this guy's saying is true. Are you experiencing that? And they go, yeah. And you go, okay, well, let's tell you what the next thing to do is. You need to give your life to Jesus. Now, we're going to read the first story, because this, this series is called Witness, Stories of the First Follower of Jesus. And this first story is completely not what I'd expected. I expected some great story of some great thing that some great people were doing, and it's not. It's just people being what they were. And we're going to discover that simply living a transformed life is itself a witness really remarkably what happens in this story. So this is now... Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 we read a couple weeks ago on the day of Pentecost. Well, this is the follow-up. Now the Holy Spirit has fallen. The church is born. People are filled with the Spirit. Um, they're speaking in other tongues and prophesying that whole crazy thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 at the beginning. 
People are saying, oh, these guys look like they're drunk. Peter gets up and says, hey, they're not drunk. It's only 9 in the morning. This is a fulfillment of everything that God had promised in the Old Covenant about the pouring of the Holy Spirit. And he gets to the end, and people say, what should we do? And he tells them, repent and believe in Jesus, and 3,000 more people are added to their number, which means the number is now like 3,120 people, because there were 120 people already. So a big crowd of people. And, oh, I'm going to read that. Acts um, 2.41. So those people accepted his message, were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Verse 42 Here's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. So it seems like, oh, a day in the life of new Christians, right? And then look at this last sentence. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So their very lifestyle was a witness. It was a witness to a transformed life that only Jesus could accomplish. People were so intrigued by them that they were daily growing in numbers. Isn't that amazing? So, oh, a story. I was talking with um, a couple this week. I didn't get permission to tell their story, so I won't tell you their name. But it's not a big story. Anyway, they're, they're an older couple, and they, have you ever had someone say, if you will come and listen to our presentation, we will give you a free week at a resort? You, you know that one. So they went. And uh, the, the salesperson said, you guys look like you're at that age when you might be vacationing. And they are. They're, they're retired. So they sat down with the salesman to hear about the timeshare opportunity. And when they sat down, he said, okay, what is it about you guys? You're different. Well, and he had talked a little bit. He, they said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you've been... You've been married 57 years, and usually people your age, when they sit down, they sit like here and here. But you sat together like you're still dating. What is different about you? And from there, they said, well, Jesus. And he's first in our lives. And, when I, and, and he was having the Holy Spirit witness to him. And he said... Oh, I've been, I need to find God. This is what I'm after. How did that happen? They said, he's, and he said, it's no coincidence that you got in my booth. Because there's all these booths of the people given the hardcore sale, right? And they're like, you're right. It's no coincidence at all. And he said, well, I want to know God. But my girlfriend doesn't want to have anything to do with God. And they invited him to church. And the, the lady said... You know, if she's the one for you, we're going to pray right now. And God will move her heart. So they prayed for her. And the, the following week, he's going to go to church with them. And he calls them and says, I can't believe it. She wants to come with me. <laughs> so, this is like, this is like a, a, two weeks ago, I think. So it's early in the process. They come to church. And they're like, we've never experienced anything like this. 
They see the people worshiping. They hear the person talking, you know, talking about the Bible. They're like, wow, we love this. And now I think they're in um, some kind of counseling for their relationship and marriage. And I don't even know if they've given their lives fully to Jesus, but they are like, they're caught in the tractor beam and there's no escape at this point, right? So what happened? Simply living the, a transformed life is a witness. Did you know that? Is your life transformed? Followers of Jesus. Has anything changed? Do you look a little different than you did before? So let's walk through the, that scripture. You, you're good still, right? You look like you're still awake. Okay. Let's walk through what we just read piece by piece and see if there's some things that we can notice that they did that we could do. So what did they do? One, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So that would be the teaching of the New Testament that I just told you about, which is what we're doing actually right now. They devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. That was part of their transformed lifestyle. They certainly didn't do that before they started following Jesus. What do you think it means to be devoted to the teachings of the New Testament? Talk to me, people. What would it mean to be devoted, to devote yourself to the New make Testament? It make it important in your life. You make it important. What were you going to say, Harry? Action. So you don't just listen, you do what you learned. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Start. You make it so important that you start your day with the word. And I, did you raise your hand over there? No, you were just saying hi. Okay. Woo, you rise because he rose for us. Okay. That's a good word. Oh, hi, Jennifer. You follow the new law or the new instructions. You know, when you read law in the Bible, it really is translating a, a Hebrew word, Torah, that probably more better could be translated instructions for living before God. So you follow, I would call it the new covenant. Yeah, you follow the teachings, and that would be like um, Harry said, action. Any, any other things? Oh, you share it. Not only do you hear it, you, you share it with each other. You learn from each other. So now we're talking about a transformed community of people who are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. I just looked at the clock. I better speed this up, huh? Oh, one more. Oh, Joe. Say it again loud. That was good. Apply Jesus' life to your life. Yeah, you learn, you apply, by the, and the Holy Spirit's at work, and we're in community. So one, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They start reading it. They read it together. They study it. They put it into action. They follow these new instructions. Just that behavior alone changed some things. I better talk more quickly now. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Fellowship is a, is a translation of the word that you learned before, the Greek word koinonia. Do you remember that one? And it sounds like gonanija. It means, thank you, Dustin Nelson, for going to need you. It means a really deep fellowship, sharing together of life, of resources when necessary, of our relationship with God, serving together, serving the community together. It's a togetherness word. They, developed them, they devoted themselves to their fellowship. Notice all the devoted. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And that's debated. What did they mean by that? 
well, at least it means they, they did what we're going to do today. They ate food together. But it might also include breaking of the bread of communion, you know, the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves to prayer. So if we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, just those four things, some things may change in our lives. And there were results in their lives that we just read. Here were the results they read. God did miracles among them. And when we do those four devotions, we've been seeing that in our world, haven't we? Here and there, there's miracles. They were supernaturally crazy generous with each other. Anyone who had need, they took care of it. Very ridiculous generous. It even said that some people sowed possessions to bring the resources to meet the needs of people in their community that had need. They cared for each other. They met together in large groups. In the temple courts, they met daily in the temple in each other's homes. And they praised God. And as a result, God was with them. They had favor among the people. And daily, God added to their number people who were being saved. Can I just notice here, God added to their number. I personally... I'm not that interested when it comes to talking about evangelism to counting the numbers of people that went forward at an event at the stadium and said, I want to give my life to Jesus and then disappeared. I'm interested in how many people say, yes, I want to follow Jesus and I'm joining the community. Daily, they were being saved and added to their number. It's a very important part. Also, it's worth noting that they didn't watch church on television. They didn't have television. But if they did, they were together. And it's crazily important for followers of Jesus to be together. There is something that happens, especially in smaller groups, that changes everything. We need to be together around God's word, around praise and worship, around fellowship, around prayer, around all these things. Um, let me try to wrap this up for us with some things that we might take away from this. It's a really simple message, right? Simple lifestyle can be a witness. There's going to be a lot more as we read stories. But first story, man, they're growing as a witness by the way they live. Um, so, so one, I would say, let's do the things we just read, those four points. Devoted themselves to teaching of the apostles, devoted themselves to the fellowship, devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, devoted themselves to prayer. But secondly, let's embrace the reality that we have seen, heard, experienced, learned something about Jesus, and we are all witnesses of that. And we are called to be witnesses. If we believe that, whether we're brand new or old, we changed how we think. For example, yesterday we were at men's breakfast, and Mark was there. He's not here today because he's at a wedding. And he said, hey, brothers, would you pray for me? Tomorrow I'm going to a wedding, and um, I don't know half of the family. I want to make sure that I do a good job of presenting the God of love to them. So he's thinking, I'm a witness. I'm going to a wedding. I'm going to be a witness at the wedding. It's on his mind. He's planning it. If you don't live like this, I recommend that you plan. I wonder tomorrow who I'm going to meet and how I'm going to be a witness for Jesus, because that's what I am. 
It's not what I do on, you know, the fourth Saturday of the second month. It's who I am. I'm a witness. So, like, like we're going to have lunch today. In order to have lunch, some people envisioned we're going to have lunch together. So they thought, oh, we should have tables. And we should make it pretty. So Susan made flowers. Isn't it pretty out there? And, and we, we figured, oh, what should we eat? Oh, let's have burgers and hamburgers. Um, burgers and hot dogs. Oh, well, we need to buy them. And we need to have grills. And so you, you, don't you plan, you envision what's going to come, and you plan for it, and you kind of think what it's going to be like. If I'm a witness, I think about it, I plan for it, I imagine for it, I prepare for it, I invite people for it. You're a witness. You have the Holy Spirit in you if, you're, if you've given your life to Jesus. And I know most of you by name. And I know your stories. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And you are witnesses. And you are empowered. So you have the mindset. You have the hope. And you have the expectation. The Holy Spirit is at work. Just in case there's someone here that, I, that is not in the state I just described or you're watching on Facebook Live, or you're watching on Zoom. The first words we read from Jesus was this. He said, this is what the scriptures say. The Christ had to suffer and die, rise from the dead, and for repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to the ends of the world. If you're here or you're hearing me, and you have never experienced God coming into your life and forgiving all your sins so that you stand guilt-free before God Almighty without fear, without shame. This is available for you today because Jesus died and rose again. And he said, if you simply put your faith in me, everything will change. And I have some witnesses in this room, who will tell you he's telling the truth, everything will change because they saw it, they heard it, they learned it, and they experienced it. If you're here or you're here online or you're even watching in my future and your present <laughs> recorded YouTube video of this, God has his hand on you. And he's inviting you and perhaps this Holy Spirit's witnessing to you right now and you're thinking, I bet this is true. This is what I need. If that's you right now, turn to God. Look at him and talk with him. Say something like this, Jesus, I believe it. I believe you love me. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe it when you said, if I trusted you, you'd change everything. So I'm trusting you today. Come into my life. Give me your spirit inside of me. Forgive my sins. Wash them away. Make everything new. I want to follow you. If you prayed that prayer, I can tell you this. You are being born right now spiritually. 
the living God has taken up residence in your, in your life, in your person. And everything has just begun new. It's amazing. And, and if, if you did that, if you prayed a prayer like that, I'd love to talk with you. Now, we as a family pray for each other. We minister to each other by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and so at, at this time, our worship band's going to come up. They're going to lead us in a worship song. And there's going to be some people that are going to come to the front. I assume there are. There usually are. Who like to pray for people. And a, a very specific thing that we probably want to get prayer for today, probably all of us, is we'd love someone to pray with us that God would help us to take our role as witnesses for Jesus. So that we be the kind of people where every day God's adding to our number those who are being saved. That we go about life with great joy, loving people around us, knowing the life I have in Jesus, they need and they're going to get to. I'm going to plan my life around being a witness. So let's stand together. Let me pray a prayer of blessing on you. The worship team will lead us in some worship. You're free to stick around. You're free to come and get prayer. You're free to smell the burgers and hot dogs and think, I'm at those tables soon. <laughs> but, but don't make a lot of noise until we're kind of wrapping up here, here, if you wouldn't mind. But I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Come, Holy Spirit, we invite you to rest on your people. Come, Holy Spirit. Rest on your church. Give hope for those that are in transition right now in their life. Give them peace for the transitions. Give them guidance. Guard their steps. For those who feel isolated, bring them into community and family. For those who feel like they are unequipped or not worthy to be a witness for Jesus, tell them yourself, Holy Spirit, how much you love them, how much you're for them, how much you're pleased with them. Make us all to be witnesses for Jesus in our time, in our place. Fill us freshly with your spirit right now. Let your face shine upon us and give us rest in your very presence. Bless you. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.